Welcome back to Comic Book Nation Season 5. We are the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. And today, wow, look at this. We got the original squad is back together. It feels like the first time in a long time. But I got my co-host, Matthew Aguilar, with me. What's up, everybody? And calling in from her latest exotic out of studio locale is janelle wheeler <laughs> hello hello and uh hey guys it's good to see you guys again uh yeah like i said this has been the original trio can you guys believe we've been doing this for like half a decade no. now like wow. I think that, like yeah we don't frame that enough but we've been Crazy. doing this for half a decade now we are coming down the end of our i mean we're getting into the q4 of our fifth season we're about to be on six this is nuts but uh yeah it's crazy yeah i feel like i hardly ever get to do this with you guys <laughs> just like us three hanging out again having a little conversation <laughs> about all this geeky stuff we we have so much going on which is once again i gotta tell you guys subscribe to comic book nation on your favorite platforms it's comic book all one word dash nation make sure you're on our youtube page because a lot of bonus content coming we got bonus content so much I'm, I'm having to have meetings about it like it's crazy we got a lot going on so this week we have a lot of bonus content for spider-man 2 as you can see in the background of our lovely cb studios here and our artwork by producer pete yeah, we got Spider-Man 2 comic book gaming is out here. They've been all over it. We've been all over it for some time, but now is the big release day. So we are going to have a full kind of Spider-Man spoilers talk coming up in the coming days. We got a fun one. We got a fun one coming up where we will be talking about Marvel games and battling it out for Marvel game, video game supremacy. What is the greatest Marvel games of all time? We're also going to be doing that. So be on the lookout for that in the coming days as well but let's get to what we're doing today because it's the regular show and as our title in our little log line implies we have a lot to do for geek culture today so up front we got some news we got to talk about some big marvel news that kind of dropped this week and what it implies we got to talk about tv there's a lot of big things that happened in tv this week we are going to get to our official spider-man 2 review this is where we kind of lay down is this game as good as it has been hyped to be and what our first like full impressions are of that then we got a whole mass agenda corner this week it's a it's a fun one for matt yeah, he's got a whole tabletop agenda we got fun new comics that are right up matt's alley so we are going to get to all of that but uh up front janelle why don't you jump to drop the news for us what was uh we got some disappointing but not unexpected marvel movie news Spoiler, if you're watching live, it's over here in our background image. You can see it as well. We're not subtle about it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, just like Thanos, this was inevitable. Uh, Deadpool. Wow. Did you, wait, did you, is, pre, did you pre-write that? Did you have that? I was very, I, I actually literally, as you were like introing, I was like, oh my God, it's like, it's like uh, Thanos. Yes. Say this. Yeah, see, just live shows, <laughs> the live shows have made us, people don't understand how like, yeah, there are a lot of podcasts out there. Not a lot of us have been doing this a half decade in the live shows. We got to be real squirrely on our feet. We got to think and come up with witty stuff. And yeah, we good. That was a good one. I like that. Uh, thank you. Um, so Deadpool 3 has been delayed from its May 3rd, 2024 release date. Um, this is a huge bummer, but something that I think we all kind of anticipated with all the SAG-AFTRA strikes. Um, the thing that kind of strikes me about this is that they were halfway through. So um, like in the article over on comicbook.com 
the director was actually uh, Sean Levy was talking about how it's difficult for these actors to remain in peak shape because Ooh, that was me. they stopped halfway through. So either they have to continue working out and busting butts to stay jacked. Not interrupt or... you. That was me, actually. I wrote that. <laughs> yeah. Sean Levy alluded to it, but I went I went full down there. I wrote that article. I went full down the rabbit hole. I Think of these men's that, physiques. Man. Think of what they're doing in the gym. That was me. Yeah. yeah. Like, and to put that on hold, like, do you stop and then try to get back into peak condition? I mean, these guys are not you know, spring chickens, I understand, you know, closing, trying to get to that 40 year mark. I understand how difficult that is. So I was really taken by that. But um, the direct quote from Sean Levy is, I don't even know if we officially have a release date. I know we were going to be May 3rd. Certainly the actor strike and long pause in production have put that release date at risk. We, we've, sh we've shot half of the movie. Um, I've edited half the movie. We're dying to get back to work and get this movie out next year. So what do you guys think? Do you think that the, it's actually going to happen next year? Um, I, I mean, I always love where I have to pretend like I'm not also like a big writer on comicbook.com and didn't <laughs> write this stuff that I'm now yeah. discussing on a podcast. But um, uh, no, in that article, I said that uh, I think the and I don't know, because our like redhead cousin show phase zero was talking about this a day before this happened and they laid out a whole theory that i was reading wow. the trade and i was like did you guys listen to this podcast and are just echoing because you're just like sources are saying and i'm like i think i heard the sources and i think it's like over here and you're just repeating what was said but the popular theory is so we know that marvel studios has some things done before the strike it's all about strike timing deadpool 3 is one of the ugliest cases they were literally halfway through shooting that movie putting it together then they had to call it quits they tried to make it through the writer's strike they were like we got our script we're good we're like doing this then the actor strike happened and they were like ah raspberries and they had to stop and so that was that so they're in a really precarious place because yeah that's halfway in the bag but halfway not and like you just said like these are really famous people. These are kind of aging men. They've been putting in serious work in the gym and the physique. And as we saw during COVID, like trying to maintain all that, like a lot of actors, Robert Pattinson on the Batman, people were telling you like, it's nuts to try to like freeze that moment in time and what you're trying to do for these performances or go back and do it again later. So that's one I think Marvel's gonna, cause this is, I think we have a lot hinging on this. So I think that they are going to get in there and try to get back to it as quickly as possible with this one to put it like, you know, prioritize it. They have Captain America 4, Captain America Brave New World, which was shot and presumably just in post-production. So that was going to come out next July. But I think they can turn that around and spin it and just say, we got to bolster something. So let's rely on end of like our usual kickoff summer plan. They move Cap up to May say we're going to use this kick off that they work they get deadpool 3 done and then we start talking about maybe by the end of the year fall season holiday season we start getting a new date for deadpool 3 um thunderbolts i think as a result will probably because that was only in pre-production when the strike hit so i think that will probably then get less prioritized that's a bigger cast they got to get together probably more scheduling mm -hmm. they have to do they'll probably push that out a little bit get back to resuming on that try to launch that maybe to fill in early 2025 which isn't horrible to kick off like maybe the first couple quarters of 2025 with thunderbolts get things going in that front after captain america and uh yeah 
So I think that's what we could end up seeing. And that's just speculation. We have no big sources. We're just going with everybody is scrambling now because this is a larger discussion. Deadpool 3 is the first major announcement, but Marvel always jumps early to get those new release date slots. So this is what we're seeing. The actor strike has now kind of crossed that red line where we're not going to get a lot of the stuff we thought we were going to get completed in time. Like, it's just not going to happen this year. So, yeah, we're going to start to see a lot of delays, pushbacks, reschedules, like all of that for 2024. It's going to be like COVID again. Like, we're going to see a kind of vastly rearranged movie slate. But yeah. And despite what George Clooney and everybody wants, uh, looks like that strike isn't ending anytime. (laughs) anytime soon no they're i mean yeah they keep getting hung up we thought we'd be rolling after like we thought once the writer strike happened it would kind of lay a foundation where hollywood's like all right here's our negotiation and we're gonna work through this actor strike has proven to be a little bit harder and you know i get it like the actors do have more leverage over this industry to kind of Mm -hmm. hold it by the cojones and freeze things up so we're gonna see how it gets but uh hopefully it gets sorted out sooner before later because this is only going to continue mm-hmm. bummer yeah yeah womp, womp. oh yeah <laughs> i forgot to also announce that uh yeah if i suddenly slide off the stool today uh big secret i went made the decision to go out and see uh, martin scorsese's killers of the flower moon last night at like 9 p.m at night oh my gosh and if you don't know anything that's a three hour and 27 yeah. minute movie <laughs> Don't worry, I brought a blanket, the whole nine. I was I was tucked in the movie theater. But yeah, I was like, let me go do this. I couldn't not. This show has like gotten me kind of crazy. I can't not not see things and know things. I was like, I could wait for Apple. But no, I went out <laughs> to see it. And uh, it's definitely a three hour and 27 minute movie. Um, I can tell you guys that. Uh, great performances and stuff, but really weird story material and choice of how to present this story material because if you don't know what this is about and it's been kind of confusing it's a true story of an incident in oklahoma with this um set of murders that happened to this set of women in indian tribe who had found oil on their land and had a big economic base but you know this team of white men the osage indians kind of conspired to kill off the women of the family so they could keep passing their inheritance down until it got into the hands of the white men who were marrying them and all that and so like it's a weird love story while a guy's trying to kill his wife at the same time which is a you know i don't know how you do that so but apparently you take 300 three hours and 27 minutes and try to figure it out but beautiful imagery like stunning wow. stunning depiction of the osage nation and 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 their customs and their ways and kind of another one of those just like true life stories that you're like wow this is america huh like and it even references like the to- like the tulsa massacre in the movie and all that stuff is brought in but robert de niro's really great in it and it's just like it's almost frustratingly how sociopathic like some of these characters are how they truly like never just see these people as people and like what they're doing is wrong and and like how this guy like learns the osage indian ways he can speak their language he knows all their gods and customs but he's also killing them so like it's uh it's a really kind of messed up portrayal but uh break it up on apple and enjoy guys most of you uh yeah that nearly four hour runtime is a commitment but it was good to see you. Would it have been better with four hours? I think so. We could have fleshed out some things. Get that official yeah. Zack Snyder length to it. And Does Martian Manhunter show up at the end? 
kind of yeah no um (laughs) but uh yeah for everybody said they would never put out Zack snyder's justice league in theaters and now after seeing this i'm like maybe but the question was was it cinema i can tell you i don't know but i can tell you is for most of that runtime we were getting drowned out on the beautiful imagery and sounds that Martin Scorsese was creating was drowned out by Taylor Swift bringing down the house in the next theater. So, yeah, 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 that's real. <laughs> Making that's, like a, a buck at the box office. Dude, Good I could Lord, not stop man. laughing through most of the time just thinking about Martin Scorsese being like cinema and then like his masterpieces on screen while Taylor Swift is like banging in the background. I was like, now this is cinema, baby. All right. Oh my God. This is the theater experience. Theater. I'm not right. going back to the theater until that's not in it anymore. So you don't see those pink uh, rope lines? Like, yeah, I've, I walked to the theater. I was like, what is this? I was like, they cow hurting people? Then I saw the heiress tour. I was like, oh, okay. All was right. it at least her song with Ice Spice though, Kofi? Because then you would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I would have. I would have enjoyed some Ice Spice. But, uh, Ice Spice had no place in these murders that were taking place on screen. It was uh, pretty horrific. <laughs> All right, let's get on to that. Was just a little detour. I forgot. Uh, it's because my brain is like I literally just came home, flopped down in a bed, like rolled out of the bed and rolled in here. So here I am. All right, let's talk Gen V or no Loki episode three. See, I told you, brain going. But uh, Loki episode three is now out. And um, oh my god, you know I am burdened with some not so glorious purpose. These screeners. This is why I hate screeners sometimes because I get lost in like what I've seen, what I can talk about, and I don't get to be in step with you guys when we go through this. But this one was a kind of the pivotal episode where we finally expand the scope to see some of these characters we've been waiting to see, namely Victor Timely, Jonathan Majors, uh, Ravona Renslayer, Gugu and Batha Raw, and of course, everybody's favorite, Tara Strong is Miss Minutes uh, back in this. Now, I warned you guys last week when we were here. I warned you, or Janelle wasn't here, but I warned you and Connor, Matt, that I couldn't wait to talk about this episode because things were going to get weird and people were going to get weird as soon as they saw the Miss Minutes of it all and it was going to be kind of a weird experience. Janelle, let's go to you. How did, how did you feel about uh, Miss Minutes going from bringing Sexy back? How do you feel about Sexy Miss Minutes? I mean... Dude, I get it. Like she has jealousy. She's she is not AI anymore. I mean, she has evolved. She is a real like living creature. I was going to say breathing, but I don't think she breathes. Uh I get I actually like sympathize with her because she wants a body. She's been trapped by this psychopath too for her entire existence and she wants to break free. She wants to be more than just a cartoon clock. Uh, and uh, she's jealous of Renslayer and you know, that's very relatable. I get it. Like she, you know, she's one of us, one of us. Um, but I did get thrown for a loop, like 14 times. Also, can I just say like, was that a play on words? Were you, were you being witty there? You got thrown for a loop because this is a time. Yes. Okay. Thank you for actually like catching these things. I love this. (laughs) Uh, I was not really impressed with Jonathan Major's performance in this. Uh, I, I just wasn't like blown away the way that a lot of people are like, oh my God, he's like an unreal. I found that his portions, especially when he was presenting his experiment was so yawnable. Like I was not intrigued or I didn't care. I was like, just shut up and get to the point. Like Loki, will you zap him? Like something. Cause I, I was just getting so frustrated. I almost hit like skip a few times during his little monologue. Cause it just, 
it's un, it's just over the top to me, like unnecessary. Um, but that's my only qualm. Everything else is spectacular. It feels really good to see Loki using his powers again. That's something I've missed so much. Um, Sylvie, of course, comes in and steals the show as she does. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's a lot to like, there's, there's so much more to see. Like, I don't feel like, oh, I know where this is going. I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, well, like, what is actually going to happen? I genuinely thought that he might, Victor might get killed. Um, so that's good because it's not predictable. And I, I appreciate that about the show. Matt, there was a lot of, I, I, one thing I loved about this episode is it really does. And what they've kind of subtly done in, since the first episode is they are changing like who Ravana Renslayer is. And we are getting brushstrokes of that Marvel comics history that yeah. we kind of know and love. What'd you think about this episode and the time whininess? Oh boy. <laughs> so, so many today. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I kind of agree with Janelle as far as the, the timely stuff. I, I think that was, I like where it's going, but this episode did feel very much kind of, um, like repeating some big beats from season one. Um, and, and, but Miss Minutes, that whole kind of side arc keeps, keeps things going for me. Uh, I, I love seeing Sylvie get a more prominent role. Um, cause I feel, you know, like that, that character needs to have more of a role, um, moving forward. And I like the run side side. Like I, I, I enjoy it. I, I thought this was a good episode. I, it's not my favorite of the series so far because I really think the first two episodes just like came out the gate with a bang. Like those just hit. Um, but this one, it, it's, I'm, I'm excited about where we're going from here, but this episode as a whole was kind of like, okay, it was good. It was, it was good. I like some of the things I just want them to capitalize them. And the only problem is like with other Disney plus shows that are the Marvel side, you know, it's only this one's six, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, you know, it'll, I just hope we don't some of the things I want to see more if I want to see more of before we before we go. And that's always the hard thing with six episodes. So um, but but it was good. I, I dug it. Yeah, I'm interested. Couple questions. Do you guys like Loki season two better than season one or do you like season one better than season two? So I far, I don't know yet. Uh, I can't. <laughs> can't say no it's okay that's hard it's i mean look we are at the midway point though so okay as of right now the midway point i like season one better okay yeah but i um, do too because i of loki like loki's actual role in this season is not as playful and not as like hopeful and uh you know season one you're just trying to figure out why the heck he's here um and what he's doing so i agree with that I feel like there's going to be a payoff though. I really do feel like this is, it's so hard because it's such a good show. It's even season two is so good too. There's been so many shows where it falls off on season two and you're kind of disappointed. And this is not it. Like I look forward to this every week. Yeah. I want to make that clear. Like I'm not, that is in no way it should be a disparagement to season two. Season two is, is really good so far. I just have the same, I kind of echo what you feel, uh, Janelle in the respect of it's the opposite (laughs) problem I have with Moon Knight. And I know I always get stuff kerfuffles <laughs> when I talk about Moon Knight, but that's because we talked about on the show that like the Moon Knight, it was Moon Knight was a really good show and I really enjoyed it, but I had to like 
I had to compartmentalize what I was really hoped for in a mood night show from what is probably best served for a bigger audience and the MCU and all that kind of stuff. So when you roll all that into it, the moon night we got was probably the best moon night we could get. And it was perfect for what it needed to be. The moon night mm-hmm. I wanted to be was probably ahead of where season three or season two ends. You know what I mean? I want it to be already established and then move forward because that's the stuff I find interesting about the character. Loki is the opposite. I cared nothing. I was ready to say goodbye to that character when season one started and season one's arc was so good for him and he did so much to like win me over. That was a big part of why I liked the first season. And in season two, he's already there. So that part's not there. So all the other stuff has to kind of make up for it. And in this case, so far, it hasn't quite done that yet. So in a weird flip, season one. But season two could very well end up being ahead of it when all is said and done. Um, all I'll say is, and I, and I told you guys this when you know we first talked about and I gave you my first reactions, go back and listen to that episode of the series, that I think we got the first four sent out to critics and... Every critic has said it, you know, alluded to it. Like, wow. we're going to, I can't wait for next week and, and the conversation next week. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, so this is past Kofi telling future Kofi variant, like, ooh, enjoy it because it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, strap in. We'll see what everybody has to say next week about where this season is going and, you know, six episodes and all that. Because, uh, yeah, going to be interesting when we talk next week. Also, I, I'm really hoping, because uh, I'm kind of with Janelle, with the Jonathan Majors of it all, he got so much praise for Quantum Mania, and then I went back and actually, and, and rightly so for the end of Loki Season 1, I really enjoyed him there, but I went back and watched Quantum Mania again, and also was like, yeah, this dude's in a different whole movie, like in this movie. He's, I remember you saying and that, and like, it's changed the way I watch him in Loki. And it's just like, yeah, and it's very overacted and dramatic and Shakespearean. And there are some theories floating around now that, you know, we kind of got these weird Darth Vader moments from Victor Timely in this episode, like when Ravona says the partner thing and he completely dumps her in a lifeboat and stuff like that, um, that have people thinking this man will be the one who becomes the Kang, the Conqueror variant, which has certain ties to the comics that could be true. You know, Victor Timely created Chronopolis, all this other stuff. So I hope these two kind of performances and the eccentricities he's worked into them and the over the top delivery, I I hope they're actually connective tissue that like when we later find that twist, quote unquote, out like the performance of Victor Timely and how it is makes sense with what we saw with Kang and Quantum Mania. You know what I mean? Because you can see this dude being the dude who's like, I will burn them out of time, like and saying all kinds of weird stuff like that because he's kind of that weird to begin with but um i hope that comes together otherwise it's just a man doing a string of weird performances which i don't know if i'm as keen on so anything anybody got anything else from loki anything else that really stood out to you uh this episode you you're burning to address i just love this show so much and i'm just so happy to be excited about a show again because i have been <laughs> so tired of watching love island Okay. Reruns. <laughs> Don't derail us. We will go down some uh, reality show TV holes. Loki, here. Love Island. Which I mean, like, here's a good. Here's a good I segue really have question. Been struggling. Like I've, I've watched. I've been 
suits enough. Like it Loki, it just feels so good. I feel like I'm back to myself. Like I'm back. I'm reading my comics, watching Loki. Like I'm home from Europe. I just feel like I'm finally getting back to core Janelle and I love it. (laughs) That's good. We support that. But here's a good segue question. Are you loving Loki more than you're loving the new boy spinoff Gen V? Ooh, cause I don't know, man. Yes. Thousand percent. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of <laughs> up in the air. I, I love Marvel stuff, but like Gen V has been hitting week to week, like with mm-hmm. really great episodes. Mm-hmm. I am like deeply invested in these characters in this show. Like I'm deeply invested in the relationships and I, I'm kind of into the core mystery and every episode knows that it has a job to do something for those socials. That's going to make everybody go sit up and go WTF, including this week's episode where we finally got the mystery answered of how Jensen Eccles and his soldier boy character fits into this series after, you know, ostensibly being taken out of play in the boys season three and boy, Jensen Eccles is having a good time. I want to have his career. Like, I just want to get paid to come in and cameo and have that be my cameo all day. Um, Soldier Boy cameo in Gen V. If you know, you know. I know people are still probably catching up on the episode this early. So for the live show, I'm not going to spoil it. But what do you guys think of that moment in, in this episode? Well, first of all, can I just say, like, I was sleeping on this show. I did not realize it had come out when I was overseas. So I have had to binge this. Oh. <laughs> and it is very intense when you have scenes like that continuously. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm scarred a little bit. Yeah, no, I can't imagine you binging this. We've had to say, I've had to even post, I've posted it. I've said it. I'm like, yo man, I got to pause and walk away from some of this stuff for a minute. It's Cause it's so just so intense. That's how I am with boys. Like period. Yeah. Like just the franchise. Yeah. I, even when we get screeners, in the past, I have had to like watch two and then stop and then watch another two. Cause like, I'm just like, I'm on overload. I can't, someone's just exploded in front of my face. Yeah, or I can someone see one like, more explosion. <laughs> just like I, it's so much to deal with. And so, yes, Gen V is the same way. I, I agree with you. I, I was, I feel like I was sleeping on this show coming into it. Me too. I so, didn't have any faith. I'm going to be honest. I didn't have any yeah. faith in it. I was like, oh, you're doing this going to do like Glee version of the boys. Like, okay, I don't know. This could be really cheesy, but no, it's I mean, really and I wrote about this because um, a follow up to us talking about this episode is it got renewed for season two, which should Woo-hoo! surprise nobody. It's been doing great, but I wrote that up too because I had to write everything up apparently this week. Uh, but um, the boys has now established like i believe in a boys universe now like officially like amazon has a boys universe i will be invested in and would see more stuff from you know because yeah it feels cohesive and even though there's this fun kind of shock and all spin on superheroes they're good at making like storylines and characters you care about this one's like totally original and kind of within this universe and that is often where it gets the cheesiest and the worst kind of cash grab knockoffs but no, this has been an awesome universe expansion. And I'm kind of like, if <laughs> sorry, Lord of the Rings, but you know, at least the boys is uh, given Amazon that franchise. It kind of needs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> LA night reference. Sorry. <laughs> was a little wrestling thrown in for, for you there. I can't hear I can't hear the word. Yeah. Anymore. It's forever <laughs> changed for me. Sorry. But yeah, yeah I agree with you. I, I love the show. I got to say, I think I'm a little closer to even on those shows than I thought. 
Loki's still got the the head. Like it's a little ahead, but like not by as much as I would have expected. So uh, Gen V has been really good. I think really it's just, fun. yeah, it's just for me, the latter episodes of Gen V, like I've loved the twists and stuff that we keep finding out in this show about like what's really going on and who the characters are. And even in this latest one, when you think, you know, all the POS characters, even the ones you like, you're like, oh, bro, you guys also made some POS decisions. Like, come on. <laughs> everybody did yeah come on guys all right but uh yeah check out gen v if you guys aren't obviously we're we're pretty high up on it so go check that out because i mean yeah it's weird like because of the actor strike and all this stuff promoting this stuff and getting people aware is kind of been crazy this year but it's out there it's great go watch it so let's talk about uh did you guys did either of you watch rick and morty no i did not I am not a Rick and Morty person, but no, animation Connor's out in today. general. Okay, so That's we won't true. spend too much time on this. So Rick and Morty season seven's out, and uh, we got the premiere episode. We got to hear Rick and Morty's new voices, um, and they're not anybody too crazy special. They're just uh, oh, I have to dig up their names. I totally totally prepared over here, but um, they're just two new actors. And all I'm going to say on this subject then is. It wasn't nearly as bad as the trailers made it seem. Those trailers were rough. But when I got into the episodes, and I've seen the first two episodes. I wasn't here last week. I would have done a whole Rick and Morty kind of season seven promo for you guys. But um, I saw the first two episodes, including the one we're kind of showing on the screen here, which is episode two. And uh, Ian Cordoni, Cordoni is the new Rick, and Harry Belden is the new Morty. But... It was passable. There were moments that I was like, okay, that is a little different. But for overall experience, they wanted to do this show. Dan Harmon and Scott Martyr have been doing a full promo kind of campaign about this. And they said, like, unlike Solar Opposites, which brought in Dan Stevens as a voice, like Rick and Morty is such a signature voice set that they didn't think the show would survive if they changed those voices too much. Um, And it's kind of working. We'll see what happens in the long term. I know episode two was better than episode one for me. Like by the time I was locked in the middle of episode two, I'd kind of forgotten completely and was just back into the show and looking at them as Rick and Morty and not worrying about Justin Roiland or any of that stuff. So I'll be interested to see what the fan base does because so far it's been kind of split. Some people have been like, oh, this is fine and I'm I'm good. And this was a great premiere. And other people are like, it's trash. It's trash. We don't want it. Cancel it now. Bring Ryland back now. And there are people who want uh, the guy Morty says, the guy from TikTok who's like, who does those voices perfectly. They're like, why don't you just hire this guy? Which is a fair question. But uh, Rick and Morty season seven is now out Sunday nights. Adult Swim. When Connor's back, we'll get into it. I'm sure he'll have a take. While I was also gone on Kofi's agenda, I also managed, I binged Fall of the House of Usher. You guys. Yeah, you did. In your horror avoidance. I know Matt was into it, but he was alone out here. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. He was a lone man. You and I would have gotten into it, buddy. Um, I really enjoyed this one. And I, so I've said people are not agreeing with me, but that's okay. But this has been, I think, my overall favorite Mike Flanagan series on Netflix. If you don't know what else he's done. Oh, wow. Is he did Haunting at Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass are the adult ones. You should know because it's much of the same actors. <laughs> you know, he keeps rotating a lot of these actors in these series. But... um No, I liked it because I just, I liked it as an overall kind of gothic, scary, Edgar Allan Poe style story about a a family. And when you actually get, unlike Hill House and the mystery of that, like the mystery of this isn't such a defining mystery. 
it, it actually just works that when you figure out the full picture, it just makes everything kind of more horrible and horrifying. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is like what I've seen in this series is really bad. And like they do a good job. And I like how they tied it to the kind of whole opioid crisis and Oxycontin in that family that because Netflix also just double dipped and did that whole docuseries with Matthew Broderick and about this. So they good for them for finding a theme for 2023. But uh it's just a good complete ghost story every episode is pretty clearly bottled and framed and where it goes and what happens it's never subtle and it does a good job of kind of letting you know early how horrible this is going to be and then making you go through the steps of it and it still is so horrible the kills are horrible like it's so dramatic and then it just shifts into so much horror and each of them is smartly based on an edgar Allan poe story so like if you like that and you kind of like poe and you like all that like it's a smartly put together series. I love the cast. Carla Cugino. This is like who's already done. He's fantastic in this. Yeah, like her and Bruce Greenwood. If you've ever not watched Gerald's Game, which is also a Mike Flanagan movie on Netflix, it's based mm-hmm. on a Stephen King story. Go go watch Gerald's Game after Fall of the House of Usher because it's Bruce Greenwood who plays Roderick Usher and Carla Cugino who plays um, not Raven, but whatever they changed her name from the Raven to Verna. Um, and like, yeah. And it's this kind of erotic, supernatural thriller Stephen King wrote. And yeah, these two on screen together, I will just watch anytime. And Carl Lumby in this, like coming off Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, and having this role in this. And Mark co- Hamill, man. Mark Hamill, great in this. Oh my God. Mark Hamill's so good in this. <laughs> He's awesome. Like, this might be my favorite Mark Hamill role since Joker. Just like I would watch a whole series of backstory of like the the Pym Reaper, like, and all this. But he but, shows up in the first, you know, episode. And I was like, is that Mark Hamill? Because I didn't realize he was in it before. So I was just like, is that him? That's him. And I was like, oh my God. He's fantastic. Oh, oh yeah. Like- <laughs> no, this whole so cast good. was fantastic. And if you're looking for something in Halloween, we're in the spooky season. I've done nothing. I, I, my, I was also up. I've been up for two days. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Thursday, I was up all night and I watched like every Platinum Dune remake on Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm been doing bad stuff to my brain. But this is great for the spooky season. It's it's a great series. It's such an easy just like event binge to sit down and, and watch over a couple days and get that Halloween spooky season experience like really good stuff so i highly recommend it matt i think you're up there janelle how far did you get because i know you you said you watched some horror for me this week i was just Uh, did you watch this i did it's so good it's so freaking good (laughs) and i mean it's 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 spooky but it's not like disturbing the way that our uh the boys has been for me i'm sorry um it is it is so well done it is the best Halloween programming you can watch right now besides, you know, some Disney, some cute little like Disney movies. Um, I've literally been watching Halloween Town. That's how I'm just loving <laughs> Halloween stuff. Um, but yeah, I have to admit it, even though I don't like horror, it's just such a well done show. Um, like the acting, the directing, it, it's like artsy and pretty. It's just, it's intriguing. It's, it just keeps you wanting to watch and they it's they're, it's a good it's a great freaking show it's a really good show <laughs> yeah so yeah. man i can't we believe we got janelle <clears throat> excuse me on a i know on a horror thing but yes i know are I you know. done yet no no i i still think i i think i am i think i have like four three no i started i i watched the first two okay and i'm already like in love 
All right. So yeah, um, it's just so good. Sorry, we're doing a lot today, so I'm a little slow on comments. To answer a comment from, I think our regular guy, was it Chris Chipperson? Yes. Uh, Chris, yeah, that was Hugh Jackman in the Rick and Morty season premiere, which I didn't want to spoil anything, but if you have not seen a Rick and Morty season seven premiere, Hugh Jackman is in it, and it is berserk. He plays himself, and he's a cousin of Gene, who is like this... NPC style character that lives next door to Rick and Morty and they're always just yelling at him even though he's like the nicest simplest man so Gene's cousin turns out to be Hugh Jackman and they're trying to get Mr. Poopy Butthole to get out of a funk and get his groove back and Hugh Jackman takes them out for a wild kind of Australian style night and it is so berserk and so there's an animated Hugh Jackman and it just goes off the rails but good shout out to Hugh Jackman for having such a great sense of humor to go in there and just be like yeah I'll play myself all right, I'll play myself and go in there and just get nuts in Rick and Morty land. So, yeah, that was really Hugh Jackman. Um, wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else do we got? Is that it? Is that it? Do we do the thing we before probably, the break? Yeah. We yeah. should probably take a break. Yeah, we're going to take a break. But thing. when we come back, we are going to do our official review of Spider-Man 2 with a special guest coming in. Then it is Matt's agenda time. So Matt takes over the show after that. Do you want to find out what happens when Matt's in control? Stay tuned. This is Comic Book Nation. <laughs> Welcome back to Comedy Book Nation, and Janelle is reflecting our conversation in the studio because me and uh, my special guest here, Logan Moore from Comic Book Gaming, we're talking about getting old. Uh, I got a decade on him, and I was just we're talking about how I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, and now like I woke up and those first ten minutes where I thought I was going to have an aneurysm because I didn't sleep enough is becoming real. At, at forty, that's like a real thing for me now. Like if I don't sleep enough in that first ten minutes, I'm not like, oh no, this is going to be a bad day. I'm like. Mm. Yeah, I, I might, like, seriously, I might die. Like, this is not... Is that why you joke. fell asleep during the Dragon Ball Super movie? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I have, like, slight insomnia. Sometimes, like, it catches me. I Dude, I had to get I up did. and walk around last night because I felt myself starting to drift off. Like I said, I had a blanket in there, and there was just some quiet portion of that movie. I had to go listen to some T-Swift in the lobby for a minute. I was like, all right, back at <laughs> it. Let's go. Um, all right, but that's just us talking about being so old and tired while Janelle's yawning, so we're not doing good. I think Matt's, Matt's keeping it nice and peppy down there. Yeah, all right. I got Yeah. It's a lot of coffee. As long as the pompadour's up, I know we're still winning out here. All right. (laughs) All right, let's get back on task. Back on task. Oh, bot. We could tell my son. Back on task. Hi, this is Comic Book Nation, and this is the second half of the show that does it all for geek culture. And this week, it is a big week. We have Spider-Man 2 out, and there's been one man here who has been pretty much living in a spider-man costume himself for weeks on end and uh that's mr logan moore who if you have not been keeping up you gotta sign up for the youtube we gave you guys impressions weeks back and you know that video still kind of gaining popularity now that you guys are tuning into some spider-man stuff but um logan got to go out he's had the game he got to play it for a while and now's the big day what your review so, tell us, what are we in for? Is Spider-Man 2 up there? Is it worth the hype? What are we doing? It's awesome. I mean, I think this is the biggest thing that has come out so far to get people to go buy a PS5, unless you're a big God of War fan. But even then, the most recent God of War game was on PS4. This feels like the first like big PS5 exclusive, exclusive game that has come out that is going to lead to people actually going to buy a PS5, which is good because now there is stock on the shelves and you can find one at your local Walmart if you are lucky enough um so yeah like overall 
I mean, yes, the game is fantastic. The previous two games, the Miles been off in the first game were both awesome it shouldn't come as a surprise that this is once again a fantastic day- game they've upgraded all the core mechanics they've added a lot of new features the story is great we can talk about that as well i'm a big fan of venom they do venom justice in this game to a great degree um i, I loved it overall it's 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 phenomenal and because like i said my brain's melting did you, did you do the review the official i review? didn't do the review so our reviewer was kate onder um i played it alongside him though i've been doing all our supporting coverage he gave it a four and a half out of five i would agree with that um i think the game is just like i said fantastic overall there are a couple i think it takes a bit to get going some of the early hour stuff with craven and setting him up as the kind of the initial villain there and then peter getting a symbiote suit some of that stuff takes a couple of hours to get moving and i wish it could have kind of jumped right into it a little bit more quickly um but once the symbiote really does come into play and it attaches to peter things get rolling in the story and it just gets better until the credits roll um we had a couple questions from the gameplay and i'm interested to hear about the full game uh there were questions when you did your kind of multi-hour demo test with insomniac about whether the fun factor for peter and miles is equivalent what did you think after kind of getting and i said and you said that it was and then you weren't the only one by far that said this that while it was good to have Miles back, it wasn't as exciting to play as him as it was Peter and mm-hmm. the suit and the obvious novelty of all that. Is that true throughout the game? That's that is still true. I think like playing as Peter with the symbiote is still that is the best part of the game. I think um, Miles is not. That doesn't mean Miles is bad though necessarily. I talked about in our preview bonus episode that we did that I could tell they were kind of introducing some new powers for Miles, but I didn't get to see those in the demo. So he does have some new like advanced venom powers of his own he gets some new electrical abilities and things like that but they still don't match up with you know peter whipping out tentacles and going crazy beating dudes <laughs> to a pulp and stuff like that it's just not gonna match up like everybody's wanted symbiote version of peter since the first game yeah i was um, gonna say like there's i don't think there's anything in spider-man that you can deliver to fans that's going to be bigger than letting yes. them get to pilot the black suit and well and then that and then there's era. i mean he's got his iron spider like arms in this game you've got the web wings like it, we talked about this and we've been doing some spoiler videos that you can check out on our youtube channel comicbook.com um and th- this isn't a spoiler but we just kind of talked generally about like we don't know where they could go in a third game now because we've got all the core spider-man mechanics the web wings the iron spider stuff the symbiote stuff Miles feels fully kitted out. Like, I don't know what else they could do Alternate now. dimensions. Spider-Gwen. Spider-Punk. Like, yeah, I mean, they could do, I mean, that's pretty much the only, that's like the only next level you got. There's definitely, I, I'll say this with spoiler, very slight, but not saying anything specific. They tease things that they could do next, obviously, near the end of the game. And it gives you an idea of, what the differences could be for sure in a future game. Um, so in that sense, I, I can see where they're going and I can, I can see how the game would be different in one sense, but I also don't know like how they can expand the spider powers per se at this point. I would say, man, man, Insomniac, go play Chrono Trigger, learn from that, and then do like a crazy <laughs> Spider-Verse game that's like a causality game. Like you got to do things in one dimension. Make it turn to kind of like, yeah, set up other dimensions and unlock things and use a different character. Also, everyone should just play Chrono Trigger. 
Oh yeah, no doubt. Like yeah, <laughs> you, whoa, yeah. You can call yourself. A, luckily, our special is just Mar best Marvel video games. If we ever want to get into like best video games of all time, first of all, we probably end up killing each other. Second of all, like that's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've had that debate. That gets violent. But um, yeah, Chrono Trigger would have to be up there. Still one of the. I've better. still not played it. Like we said at the start, like ten ten year gap between us here. I didn't grow up with the Super Nintendo playing it. It's like one of the the games very high on my eternal backlog. They need to do it. Like they seriously do need to do. Like uh, somebody needs to pop out like a really good remake. Yeah, like of that because I feel like they will. That is, I mean, especially now that like anime is a thing. That was like that indoctrinated like half of the '90s kids into anime (laughs) was playing Chrono Trigger and doing all that, but uh, and steampunk, but. Anyway, back on topic, so, Spider-Man. Um, so, Logan, you mentioned that, um, the story. And mm-hmm. I, so I have heard some, a little bit of divisiveness around, like, the kind of latter, like, the third act, essentially, of the game, as far as, like, not the gameplay, but just, like, decisions, storytelling decisions and things like that. Were you satisfied with how you know that act played out without obviously getting into crazy spoilers or anything yeah were you satisfied with that did you feel like that gelled everything like i said everything with venom i feel like is pretty great i don't have any complaints about venom and like his goals near the end of the game i mean spoiler venom's like the final bad guy which i feel like everybody would expect but um everything tied to venom and like what his goals are and the eventual like resolutions to that i didn't have any problems with personally that being said they do set up some things for the inevitable next game and i'm kind of uncertain about where they're heading to some degree um i trust insomniac greatly i think they're a fantastic developer they've done great work with all these games so i have no doubt that um those whatever they do next will end up being just as good as these but there are there are some post-credit scenes where they kind of tip their hand to where they're going and they weren't all that exciting <laughs> to be honest um I, I i don't know like th- those are the things you're talking about like late game third act stuff that i do kind of have some questions and reservations about but with as far as the story within spider-man 2 itself and uh everything that happens in the final act of the game i can't say i really have any problems with it i think I, to best sum- summarize like why i like the end of this game so much it just feels so good to have venom being a villain again we have gone through this like i feel like the past 10 15 20 years that it's been this larger push to have venom be an anti-hero or a hero of his own and like to just have it come back full circle and be like no uh i am a bad guy now i hate spider-man i want to kill spider-man and the symbiote has like a has a has a bone to pick with peter because it, it peter ditches it i mean these are all very broad spoilers i guess to some degree but it's stuff you would expect like right. that that is that is i love that like the black suit storyline is one of my favorites and i think they their adaptation of it here is excellent um so i have no i have no complaints on that front also yeah we should know you, you never know with insomniac some of these things they're teasing if it feels normal you don't know that it's like the next game or the next dlc yes like, or the next half game or quarter game we're gonna get so yeah like, like that's Stay the thing like they tease the miles stuff at the end of the first game and then they end up making an entire miles game yeah. so i don't know if they're gonna have another interstitial here next go- or- there almost certainly has to be they're like some kind of potentially side, yeah. like half step game between this like and whatever they do next just to keep things going so all right i mean there's your assignment get a ps5 get spider-man 2 <laughs> 
We're also going to have a massive... Old. We have a bunch of spoilers videos going up on comicbook.com YouTube. And in a couple days, we are going to take all of the spoiler spoiler talk that's in the various videos. And we will have just one big, long audio kind of spoiler talk. It's uh, Logan. It's uh, Chris Killian. And I think Cade. It's Cade. Yeah. Cade Onder. So the three experts we got on Spider-Man talked about this game, all the spoilers, all the big things people are going to be digging into and the broad Marvel stuff. So if you want to know about Spider-Man 2, even before you get the game or building up your PS5 layaway budget, be sure to check out our episode for that. It'll be out near the end of the weekend, I think. We're going to put that out. So give people some time, really kind of get into the game, work through it. But check that out because we're going to break it down. What about some Mario Wonder? I'm glad you mentioned that. I was actually going to bring this up that we should give a shout out to that game coming out today. I have not played it, but I have it downloaded on my Switch. Oh, I have it ready to go. Oh, she's going. Okay, so can we expect a review next week to know? Oh, 1,000%. Absolutely. All right, Mario Wonder's out today. Hey, we're doing an offer for geek culture for you guys. But uh, Mark doing that review for you guys, right? Uh, Yeah, Mark did that one. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, check out uh, Logan's. We have a Spider-Man video review with you and Kate that's already up on YouTube and in various uh, Spider-Man articles and comicbook.com. Check out Logan, Cade, and everybody else's work breaking down the game on comicbook.com gaming. And keep your lookout for our full spoilers kind of audio podcast about Spider-Man 2 coming out yeah. in a couple days. Obviously, we've been putting in, they've been putting in work on this, so... Yeah, now's the time to The costume enjoy. stuff alone has been dope. It's oh, been yeah. so cool to see all the costumes. Yeah, no, uh, comicbook.com game is all over this. We have, like, there's a 70-page slider game, with all the suits in there. So yep. go, go look if at all If you were asking about this to. game, there's a place to go to figure it out. And, and they're all the best ones, the Scarlet Spider suit, right? We need the, we need the second Ben Riley suit. The, yeah, we need we need it's that. It's a good one. suit. It's oh, the best part about the, that uh, run. What's the yes. thing he joined, uh, that he recently joined? I love that suit, too. What was that? What was that kind of corporation he just worked for recently and they built him a suit when he replaced Peter? Oh, Beyond. Yeah, Spider-Man Beyond. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted uh, that suit somewhere in there. That was a good suit, too. Yeah. All right, so that's Spider-Man 2. Um, now we just take the reins of the show. Logan's going to hang out because we're going to do... We're going to be arguing top five Marvel games right after this in the studio. But, uh, Matt, show's yours. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. So let's start with a segue into Marvel with some sensational She-Hulk. It's been a minute since we touched upon the uh, She-Hulk side of things. Uh, the Disney Plus show, it's been a minute, so I thought, hey, we should check in. Brand new number one, good starting point. And one thing I do love about Marvel books is that they do the, hey, previously on, right at the beginning, <laughs> get you all caught up. I needed that. <laughs> so this obviously is a big uh, focus on her relationship with Jack of Hearts, as well as her kind of new... Um, uh, kind of the new angle her career has taken with her and her new partner and everything who is former her former nemesis so that's kind of provides an interesting dynamic alongside the normal i'm a lawyer for super powered beings and here i love that we brought in the eternals and the deviants in a really interesting way because i typically don't care about either of those sides at all but <laughs> but this made me care and all they were doing was trying not to get evicted i thought that was uh fantastic i had a lot of fun with this um, I think I actually, while the last series didn't like it, it was good, but like it didn't grab me right off the bat. This one very much did. So I think I'll be sticking around on this one. What do you guys think? Um, I feel like, I feel like this show in, you know, Jessica Gao has a backup story in here. Mm-hmm. 
So, but I feel like this comic has benefited from the show in kind of the best way of having people now be familiar with this irreverent way that She-Hulk can almost move through the Marvel universe. But to be fair, it's kind of like we're now in that whole like Loki snake eating its tail thing because the show only became what it was because of the comics right. that like, like uh, forgetting my Kellys now, which Kelly am I thinking of? Well, um, Dan Slott series gets Dan a Slott, lot yeah. from that. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're so they're kind of affecting one another, but the still the end result is knocking the mic around is that, uh, yeah, we find this kind of fun way to have She-Hulk in the Marvel Universe which is so much more fun than like what we saw from Jennifer Walters during like the Civil War two days where they were like, yeah, things were getting all intense with She-Hulk. Like this is much, much better She-Hulk and just the slice, just like the show, the slice of life moments are fun. Just a scene of She-Hulk figuring out how to try to get busy with Jack of Hearts to, to open this book, no less, <laughs> yeah. is still like really funny, kind of funny on an adult level that you can get but also like on a, just a comic book kid level and really kind of establishes how this book is different. And I thought it was just a lot of fun and just the dialogue, the conversations that are happening from just like when you see thing and, and fight club, man, the fight <laughs> what club, the, what do they and, call it? Punch club. Yeah. Punch, punch club. club. And just arguing about that is just so irreverent, but like funny. And then funny when you bring Jennifer Walters in, in it as both, a she, as a Hulk and a lawyer, right? And so, like, this book kind of gets the character and kind of gets her funny, irreverent, odd place in this universe. And I'm glad we're leaning more into that. Janelle? Yes, I absolutely loved it. This is my favorite book of the week. Ah, um, nice. Just, I love She-Hulk. I've watched the show three times. Um, so She-Hulk has already won me over in general. I just, I love this character. Um, and my only, and I, everything, everything Kofi just said, just, I'm going to totally back everything that he just set up, but I don't know what happened at the end. Like, I don't understand what that figure was at the end. Like, is that Hulk? Like, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be a cliffhanger. I don't really know what I, that was the only thing that lost me. I said, okay, is this like, what is this? Like, is this a new person? I, I don't know. But I also really liked the extra story that they added mm -hmm. on at the end. It was really cute and charming. And, uh, and it wasn't, I think that was written by the showrunner. The, the second, the little, yeah, it was the little oh. blurb at the end. Yeah. And it was really, it was really cute and charming. But I think the thing that I love most about the comics is that I was introduced to She-Hulk a little bit before the show, but the show really won me over. Um, and I just feel like every time I read the comics, I do feel so aligned with the show. It feels like cohesive to me. And I love that. I think she does such a good job portraying She-Hulk and the comics. Just, I get to kind of do deeper dives into this character and I just love it so much. Yeah. I think what, you know, what, what you both alluded to, I think is right. I think this is one of the, I won't say few because I feel like that's like a negative connotation, but sometimes I feel like the comics pivot too much. They pivot too much to the show and to the MCU stuff and go like, we got to do that. And it's like, no, 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 should be the other way around. That is what makes the MCU interesting is because they take pieces from your creativity and do different things with it, but the tenets are there. And so I think the comics do too much sometimes in that respect, but this is perfect. This is the perfect like balance of this idea started from the comics, but they've taken the best parts of the show 
and they've taken the vibe and the tone and they've, and they've found a nice balance between the two. So someone who jumps from this comic to the show should be seamless other than like understanding like where in the world we are and the time we are that there's no shift. There's no big shift that would put someone off of one or the other. And that's awesome. I love that kind of synergy. So I think this is the best case scenario uh, for that MCU comics tie-in stuff. From this cover, She-Hawk clearly also understands the time of IG that we are living in. Good for them. <laughs> They're like, Star Wars is not gonna outdo us. All right. Um, next, moving over to DC, we have Gotham War Part 5, which takes place in Catwoman number 58. Um, this one, you know, again, these are picking up right after each other. There's really no, no time skips. This one is a very Vandal Savage, Scandal Savage, heavy issue but again still populated with all the bruce uh selena you know everyone caught in between drama that's what made this series great and here i just love jason todd man well that character has become such a linchpin for this series and and i mean that kind of there's a moment here where you know because of what batman did to fix him like he can't save a kid like that whole spot like just like tore me up man that was that hit all the that hit all the spots especially when selena is talking to bruce in a very like you know she's angry but she's also trying to get through to someone she loves so it's like a very interesting balance she strikes with him because she's like you owe him not just an explanation but like you owe him a lot to, of what you did but we're going to talk about that after it's a, i don't know there's just so much going on in the story I, that i love and i love that we're starting to see the villains and kind of their broad scheme of stuff and vandal savage like vandal savage is probably the most boring part of this whole thing for me but he's a good glue to keep everything else going so i'm 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 cool with it i i continue to love this uh are you guys still on board what do you think um yeah this has been like my favorite batman we've done so many batman crossovers and like or events in the last couple of years. But aside from like a limited series like The Night, this has been my favorite kind of in-canon crossover that we've done. As I said, because of like the philosophical kind of in the character conflicts that are drawn from these deep histories of these characters, from their origins all the way to everything we've seen them go through. And that all of that getting brought up and kind of put on the table as they try to figure this out has been the most interesting. So yeah. I like this issue, but this also is, I'm not, we have to keep it as a DC event. So there has to be a bad guy and there has to be a plan. And so Vandal Savage's whole thing, while I think it will be interesting in the long term for the DC universe, this whole, cause there've been a lot of comics this year, X-Men with Mysterium, this one with like what it's doing with the Lazarus pits, where it's not the main focus of the story, but you can tell it's going to become a bigger thing later. Um, and this whole thing with kind of reframing the Lazarus pits is all part of Vandal Savage's origin and that meteorite that gave him immortality and him trying to gather all these things back together. I can tell it's going to be bigger for the DC Universe, but it's a little mishmash with a story that could have been just about these Gotham sociopolitics that we're working out, right? But that yeah. said, I mean, it is a comic book story. Like I said, um, I, everything about that I loved about Gotham was still really refined in this. The character dynamics, like you said, like Bruce or Selena and Bruce debating who Jason is. I also like this series and kind of what they're doing with Jason with. We spent so many years like Venom with trying to make Jason like an anti-hero. And I like it better that we're now positioning him less as anti-hero on his own and more like 
he is this weird bridge between the criminals and the crime fighters of Gotham. He kind of is both, uh, shades of both. And so, like, what does it mean that he is Batman's student that broke bad and is willing to do criminal stuff is kind of a more interesting position where he's getting torn between two worlds. I like that better than him as just lone wolf vigilante guy. Um, So, again, like, character dynamics for Batman fans, this is great. And it has, like, one of my favorite scenes in this is and just kind of defining as Bruce and Selena arguing on a rooftop. And then when it blows up, there's this kind of cute little blurb about how their first instinct is to reach for each other yeah. as they're falling off the building and they grab each other. I was like, oh, you guys are so cute. Like, I know. And they go into the cat and bat, which I know not everyone loves, but I freaking love it. So I will always defend that. Janelle, I know, you know, at one point in time, there was a Batman burnout. But we've had a good string of Batman books lately. So, I mean, how are you still feeling about this? Are you still on board? Um, so, to me, this isn't really a Batman book. This is True. a Catwoman book. Um, and, you know, I feel so bad, but I just couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it was all of her, like, um, internal thinking mm-hmm. blurbs, like bubbles. It was just kind of... I don't know. It just feels a little over the top and like uh, self-loathing slash like just just it's such a downer. It's a downer for me. <laughs> and after reading such a cute and bubbly book with yeah. She-Hulk, oh, okay. it's obviously so different and everybody has their favorite style of book. Um, but yeah, it just didn't really hit for me. I, I don't know who that villain is. So that's probably why I was going, like, okay, I don't even know why you're here. Um, I don't know. I, it just wasn't, the story wasn't very interesting. I don't know what's going on with Red Hood. I don't know what's wrong with him. Um, and I, I, they didn't tell me. So I'm oh, like, because you no, she's ah, been away. Because yeah, we, she's been away. We, okay, so we skipped <laughs> at least one, if not two. Oh we, my gosh. So we skipped like one or two. I totally spaced. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so okay, so we'll, I'll get you up to okay. the speed on the on the side but yeah okay that makes sense though that actually makes total, and total you sense. know what that makes me feel better because i'm like i was loving this series and the storyline <laughs> like i don't know why i'm not into this that makes a lot of sense okay just don't even take what i have to say no no it's no just, it's still valid no, it's a very, yeah, it's valid. Still, it's valid right there i feel like yeah i feel like if you're reading it you're like what is she talking about so i i gotta catch up Thoughts next sense. week. <laughs> um, did uh, so this one's optional. I'll just do a real quick thing on it, unless everyone else did. Did anyone else read Superman Seven? I, I read it. Yeah, I did. I love this book. Yeah. No, so yeah. okay. So it was a long one. So I did not put this in the top two because I was like, they're going to skewer me if I put another 38, 48 page book in here. Uh, but this was a special eight fifty anniversary issue, Superman number seven. This very much is a you know picks up from where we left off as far as the chained uh, and Superman kind of being stuck in that position. But but also this is a anniversary issue in the sense of multiple creative teams. Dan Jurgens jumps in on this book. Um, nope, Jamal Campbell interiors. The cover is Jamal, but uh, still I think the the artwork, especially in like the first half of the book, I thought was excellent. Ooh, I like uh, the and then this half. very much sets the stage for what comes next. This is a lot of planting the seeds for the stuff that's happening with Zarnia and, you know, um, Brainiac and uh, the Perry stuff that to me is like one of the most interesting things of all the like Perry running for office and all the things he's hidden about Lex and pushed away during his time at the deal playing, like all that stuff 
is actually teed up right at the beginning and we don't get a ton about it but that's the stuff i'm actually i think most interested in uh, aside from the core who the chained is and things like that uh, so i mean this was a fun big issue covered a lot um but you know how do you guys feeling about the series so far it still kind of remains one of my favorites oh yeah no superman's been great this one was this one was piecemeal great because they're like <laughs> yeah it's very different they're like pieces of it that feel like it's in line with the superman story we've been reading them battling the chained and finding out his powers and all that but then there's obviously this other kind of soap opera e kind of going around to these other characters and finding these developments and very a lot of it's soap opera perry's running for mayor lex has a daughter lex's evil mom is in the picture and it's like i don't hate any of these things i know they're going to be fun in the next year or so of superman stories yeah. But this was an anniversary issue of very much just literally arranging the board. I love the artwork at the Brainiac part at the end, though. Yes. It's beautiful and gorgeous. And again, the Zar using the Zarnians to eliminate worlds and doing all that. Like, I'm like, oh, that's actually interesting and a major threat, like Superman level threat. Like, there are multiple Zarnians still lurking around and they're just wiping out planets, and that's cool. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited for the next year of Superman stories. I like what Williamson's doing, I love the action comics kind of scope and so this sets that i mean this sets that up for next year and sounds like it's gonna be a fun year janelle how you feeling now you might have missed an issue of this too I but i don't but know it doesn't matter if you have i don't think it really matters because i followed the whole thing cool. okay. um yeah i'm totally pumped about this one i just thought it was really it's a fun story i did love the like dun 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 the mother's not dead dun, dun, dun. there's a daughter and i totally agree with kofi it is soap opera but i was living for it i loved it kept it interesting uh and yeah i'm just I, a good sign for me is when you give me a really long book and i don't realize it's a really long book because i'm just i'm just reading and i'm just loving it and i'm living in that moment so that's what this one was for me and i really enjoyed this one lives music there if you didn't tell me it was oversized, I, I just went in because it was Superman Seven. I was like, "Ooh, new Superman!" If you didn't, and I, yeah. and, I, and I always scroll past the covers real fast, so I didn't even realize it till the end. I was like, "What is so weird about this issue?" And then I was like, "Oh, there's a million artists and stuff. Oh, it's an anniversary issue. Okay, I got it." But yeah. it was great, and I was also happy that like the last six, seven pages were all just covers. So I was like, "Okay, <laughs> that's right. great." Um, right, buddy, real quick, uh, the pull list for this week gonna make it super quick. Uh, Moon Knight. Number 28, uh, we're building to the last days and the end of Moon Knight because Marvel, you know. Now, this one, I'll give credit. This one is a storyline that Jed McKay's been building for a minute, so it's not the normal, like, hey, the character appears on TV and we're going to kill him in the comics. It's not that. It's different and it feels earned. So this is great. Uh, the deceased, we're going to get to deceased in a minute here, but the box set, if you want all of the deceased uh, different series, they're all in one set now. Uh, you can get that in stores. And then Spine Tingling Spider-Man uh, is kind of this fun for halloween series but my god the first few pages are just gorgeous uh and also it's just a really fun kind of horror styled spider-man tale so definitely check it out all that's in comics this week moving into uh to close out the the show here i'm gonna keep it keep it concise but we're gonna do a little uh tabletop uh segment which i'm very excited about um the zombie side speaking of deceased uh, Simon announced their next Kickstarter campaign, and it is Deceased Zombicide, which Zombicide is uh, their very popular franchise. You're typically a team of survivors trying to make it through various scenarios and avoiding a ton of zombies. Well, now they've got the DC license and they are doing Deceased. We're big fans of Deceased here on the show, and, and I've uh, actually got an interview uh, with one of the designers uh, coming up on comicbook.com very soon. 
But one of the things, several of the things we talked about is like they're making some small, you know, changes, keeping with the core tenets, but but making some small changes. So like in the story, uh, Batman is taken off the board like immediately. And that's one of like the big shocks in like the first or second issue. And then Superman is like still around. Well, in this one, it's flipped. And so you'll be facing the zombie heroes as you play through the game, including Superman, Aquaman, Hawkman, uh, you'll be able to, if, if you're the surviving heroes kind of fighting this, you'll be able to pick up some of the weapons like Aquaman's Trident, stuff like that along the way. Uh, Zombicide is actually one of my favorite game franchises. So to have Deceased crossover is awesome. That Kickstarter will start up on November 14th and we'll have plenty of coverage there. Speaking of Zombicide though, uh, they did a Marvel game, Marvel Zombies. Zombicide, which was super fun. You should totally check that out. Uh, part of the thing, though, that they did was actually a... So this is a board game, but they did like su a super-sized miniature of Galactus. Well, I happen to have that, right? And so I just wanted to share it with someone. <laughs> that's, that's a mini. That wow. thing sits on the board and is amazing. And I'm just so incredibly happy <laughs> that he's here that's this insane. is his base that's it's a ridiculous. base on a tabletop game that is a figure on the tabletop board <laughs> that's on the top of everything else and he's a boss you can actually sit a mini in his hand and there's a little silver server it goes on there <laughs> that's awesome it's just it's just sitting here and it's when the game comes out there's a whole expansion based around galactus and so you can actually play that so that sits on the board it's awesome uh then moving into uh the witcher uh path of destiny which is the brand new game from go on board at cd project red is now out on GameFound. uh it's both um uh, there was actually another one as well uh, another marvel game uh that hit but both have exceeded their Kickstarter goals and their game found goals. So they are funded. So they will actually be mirrored reality and path of destiny is cool because in their first game that they did in the Witcher universe, it was kind of based on other characters. It wasn't Geralt. It wasn't Yennefer and stuff like that. Um, in path of destiny though, path of destiny will actually have the characters from the Witcher games and actually has artwork from CD project red. So it has, uh, they actually unlocked a uh, stretch goal that has Triss. Uh, it will have uh, Dandelion and Yennefer and Siri and all that. So that's a new game that is on GameFound now. You're actually playing to... The goal of the game is to kind of play uh, these stories that fans know from the books and the games. Uh, one of them is Astriga. Another one is uh, Grain of Truth. And you're actually competing to become the main character in that story. So whereas, you know, Geralt was the main character, um, you can actually have Dandelion be the main character or you can have Yennefer. Everyone's kind of trying to make their person the lead of that story and change how the story flows. And so you're playing cards and building up resources and things like that to for that goal. So it's really interesting how they're how they're doing that a different take on the Witcher universe. Um, so that one's on GameFound now. And then their old game, which was The Witcher, The Old World, which you're seeing um, is this one's actually Path of Destiny, but in the old world, that game actually took it from you're all competing witchers. And so you were all actually trying to 
um, achieve a certain level of, you know, you're killing monsters, you can actually fight other witchers from different schools, and you were trying to kind of essentially become the top witcher. So you have a bunch of different experiences out there. Um, Old World is fantastic. Uh, it's it's a gorgeous game. I think actually Path of Destiny, which you're seeing on the screen now, is is even prettier because that, that artwork is amazing on the cards. Uh, but Old World is still a gorgeous game. There's like three different expansions, brings in whole new playable characters. You can play as mages. You've got whole other, you can actually add on a whole other part of the map in Skellige. So there's just so much to do. Uh, and the combat is this card combat that also kind of demands that you're on top of potions and tonics and the things that are very normal for the for the witcher universe if you're used to playing the games or reading the books so uh a lot of great witcher stuff out there old world is something i wholeheartedly recommend uh it's out in retail now you can buy several of the expansions as well uh and i couldn't recommend it more and path of destiny is on game found now so if you want to check that out we've got plenty of coverage coming up for that on comic book so uh that is uh my tabletop spiel there we go we got to do a little uh a little board game stuff and i'm, I'm happy man all right that is matt's agenda which is usually the signal that it's time to cut the feed on this live feed and get out of here this is comic book <laughs> nation we are the only show that does it all for geek culture please do be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms and subscribe to our youtube page which is comic book all one word dash nation podcast in addition to doing this stuff where we talk about the Deadpools and the Lokis of it all, we are also going to have bonus episodes that deal with Spider-Man 2 and with Marvel video games as we, me, Matt, and Logan are about to get into a heated debate about what the best Marvel video games of all time are. So find out our picks. We think we're going to drop those early next week to go along with the release of Spider-Man 2. Otherwise, we want to thank everybody in our Comic Book Nation community for always showing up, showing out, and having fun with us on these live show feeds. Everybody who hits us up on Twitter, you guys are the best and, you know, some of the brightest geeks out here because you can hang through all these crazy subjects we dovetail through. <laughs> so thank you guys every week for kind of get getting the same headache we have and showing up with us. It's been a crazy half decade, but uh, we appreciate it. So we're going to get out of here now. This is Comic Book Nation. You can find us all individually out there. If you want to holler at us, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler. Uh, Logan, you want to throw out a plug for yourself? Uh, I'm at moreman12, but I never use Twitter or X anymore. So just, I don't know, just read the website, I guess. That works too. Hey. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Thank you, guys, and we will see you next week for our next regular episode. This is Comic Book Nation. Peace.